0: It is a Friday edition of midday here on KRVN. Boy, that's always good in a in a sunny Friday to boot so uh good good to be here scott foster here with you along with Brandon minutes and what do, you, what do you, you wait a minute just a second yes
1: you didn't tell me it was wear your hawaiian shirt day because i've got more than one at home we should make that every friday around here just that's just to bring on hawaii type weather
0: i felt that that I, that's what i was doing clay is okay with that also we'll buy bob brogan a hawaiian shirt do you have a hawaiian shirt there bob brogan
2: no i don't and okay. i don't plan on having one in the future well
0: we'll get you one we'll make sure you wear it uh Susan, Susan, you're welcome to wear one with us if you'd like.
3: Sweet. I'm I'm going to actually wear the dress with the skirt. All
0: right. Well, I was going to do that too, but you go ahead. That'll be fine. So we'll, <laughs> uh, okay. It's a Friday. Thank you very much, Susan. <laughs> you know, <what? laughs>
1: you know, what? You know what? I'd rather talk about coronavirus than I would Scott Foster in a skirt, listen, to be honest with you. Listen,
0: I got the legs for it. I'm just telling you right now. All right, Susan, bail us out. What do you got for us today? <laughs>
3: Oh, I'm going to bail out with the buckets on that one. We're going to, of course, kick it off. Buckets is what we might need before Uh-oh. the weekend is out. And I'm, like, really excited because at uh, 12 19, we're going to find out all about what's going to happen weather-wise. At least on my end of the state, they're mm-hmm. talking some serious rain and maybe even some thunderstorms Sunday into Monday. And we are in a burn ban here, so we'll take any sort of moisture. Yeah, Amazing what a year makes, huh?
0: Oh, man, what a difference. What a yeah. difference. jeez.
3: I'm going to skip over 1245 because that's all about Brandon today and what he's doing with coronavirus. But at 117, Chabella is going to come in. Now, March 8th, which is Sunday, is International Women's Day. And it's a day women are celebrated for their achievements and increasing visibility. So we're going to hear from Rachel Lloyd, who's a chemist, and it deals with sugar beets.
0: Hmm, okay. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you. Uh, get your get your buckets ready, I guess. in a, a good thunderstorm might be okay with that. I'd like to have that.
3: I, I'm ready for one.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Let's turn it over to Brandon quickly. Doing a little double duty today. Uh, what do you know?
1: Let's start with the 12:45. The okay. newsmaker this afternoon on Monday, Dr. Jeffrey Gold, the chancellor at the University of Nebraska Medical Center and UNO, was in Kearney talking about the the. The Future of Rural Health Care, mm-hmm. and that whole interview is the chat with the chancellor tomorrow morning. But also, he spent about I spent about 15 minutes, and I got it down to six and a half, talking about the coronavirus, what it is, what it isn't. There's a lot of misinformation out there, yeah. a lot of fear-mongering going on. The smartest man in the state of Nebraska, and probably the most qualified to talk about it, gave me six and a half good minutes of what... The coronavirus is where it comes from, how we can all be prepared, and especially how UNMC got to be one of the world leaders in the response. So don't miss that coming up at 1245. 20 minutes before that, I'll be joining you live and in person talking about sports. Loomis Boys will play next Thursday night. We weren't sure about that. We will have that on 880KRVN. And then Southern Valley, of course, next Thursday, 345. The dulcet tones of Scott Foster mm-hmm. will carry that game for you. We now know why Cam Mack didn't play the other night. We'll talk to you about that and his pending legal issues. And, of course, the University of Nebraska women's basketball
2: team tips off their MIAA play. We'll hear from Coach Kerry Amy.
0: All right, Bob, don't have a lot of time to give us the bad news.
2: Well, stocks are continuing to slide, and also the OPEC Secretary General says talks on cutting oil production adjourned without agreement. So the oil price is falling sharply.
0: Okay. All right. That's all coming up on... Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And Paul Perkins in here, as always, with us on this uh on this Friday and I think the folks in Harrison have the only cloud in the state <laughs> of Nebraska right now
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly it's pretty much wall-to-wall sunshine across Nebraska and actually much of northern Kansas too, border to border looking at mostly clear skies across the area it
0: is something that's for sure now it's going to be a beautiful couple days but still a little breezy
4: exactly the winds going to be a factor tomorrow And actually, they're starting to become a factor for today. But it looks like today and tomorrow, for sure, we're looking at some breezy, at least breezy winds. Because of that, we do have some high fire danger. As you go into the western portions of Nebraska, from about Ogallala to Chapel, there's a red flag warning in effect for today. Not the entire state like it was yesterday.
0: Did you happen to see the... uh the video that Tyler put on Facebook with the there was drone footage from Logan or from Bowl to Chapel of oh, a wow. fire that burned across oh, wow. there. Yeah, yeah. A big old swath of land.
4: So it's on our Key and Facebook page to see that there. I think it's a, okay, i think yeah. so. it's yeah. not
0: somewhere. I don't
4: know. <laughs> so. but yeah, Ogallala to Chapel, red flag warning, and points to the north from Ogallala and Chapel. That red flag warning for today and this afternoon. That's where we do have much warmer temperatures on into west central Nebraska and. Points off towards the west and southwest as warm as 61 right now in Saint Francis in northwest Kansas, also 61 in northeast Colorado. Towards the Holyoke area, that still compares with some low 40s in much of eastern Nebraska. A lot of central and eastern Nebraska still in the low and mid 40s. We do have some mid to upper 40s from about the Ainsworth and O'Neill area down through Broken Bow, Lexington, Holdridge, on to much of central and east Kansas. Then from Ogallala. And, and North Platte points off towards the west and southwest, those temperatures into the 50s, low 50s, and about North Platte and McCook, and then some mid to upper 50s to around 60 from. Ogallala points off towards the west and southwest. Today through the weekend, looking at some very nice weather. Sunshine and unseasonably mild with a ridge of high pressure moving overhead. A good time of the year that you would like to hear about a ridge of high pressure moving overhead. Mm-hmm. Temperatures today look to be about 15 degrees above normal. The weekend looks to be 25 degrees warmer than normal for both Saturday and Sunday. Breezy south winds and a low pressure over the Rockies. Increasing that flow of moisture, that has helped to lower the fire danger a little bit. Fire conditions still near critical in many west and central areas. Rain is likely, maybe a few thunderstorms for Sunday night with a cold front and low pressure moving through this uh, region. So, rain is likely, and maybe some snowflakes mixed in with that in far northwestern Musk. But otherwise, it looks to be mainly a rain event. Otherwise, we will see some quick moving disturbances much of next week to continue our small chances of rain. In behind that front, Temperatures next week, slightly cooler than the weekend, but still about 10 degrees warmer than normal. In the long-term forecast, above-normal temperatures stick around for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. Wednesday through March 19th, slightly cooler than normal. Air begins to build into the western U.S. in the later periods. Something to watch there. Above-normal precipitation is likely Wednesday through the 19th for Nebraska and Kansas and Much of the U.S. soil temperatures four inches down at seven this morning ranged 32 to 34 in much of Nebraska. Soil temperatures in extreme southern Nebraska into central and western Kansas in the mid to upper 30s, low 40s for soil temperatures over southeast Kansas. Market impacting weather factors include improved chances for rain in Argentina and a brief period of drying in the Midwest. Record setting warm air will reach the northern and central plains and upper Midwest over the weekend. The bulk of any precipitation looks to fall early next week when a fast moving storm crosses the Midwest. The eastern Midwest will have moderate to heavy rain with that system that adds to their soil saturation and a flooding threat, along with the delay in field work. In the northern plains, above normal temperatures this weekend will allow for steady snow melting and the drainage of excess soil moisture. A stronger system in the northern plains early next week could produce some moderate precipitation. The southern plains, very warm weather this weekend will bring the wheat out of dormancy and lead to some soil moisture loss. A new storm early next week does offer a chance for at least some precipitation in most of the southern plains central argentina crops will have a higher chance for rain and milder weather over the next week that will improve the prospects for crop conditions in argentina after their recent hotter and drier pattern
0: okay very good chance uh it's this time of year that many people's thoughts turns to uh thunderstorms we could see one of those huh?
4: exactly yeah I mean, uh, the possibility of some thunderstorms on an isolated basis but okay. uh, nothing severe but right. uh Probably a nice thing to hear over the weekend. Yeah,
0: it'll be kind of nice. I always look I always look forward to those.
4: And, and I prefer thunderstorms, as long as they're not too strong, over snowflakes. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Maybe the thunder snow. Maybe we'll have the thunder snow. <laughs> Who knows? All right. Very good. I appreciate it, Paul. Thank you. Where do you go
4: to check in on your weather? Your weather tab, krvn.com.
3: time again this week that we get to visit with our nebraska extension agricultural climatologist al dutcher i am Shaylee peters joining you on the rural radio network and Al, uh, the old adage certainly held true this past week in like a lion for march i think some people probably had to grab something to hold on to so they didn't blow away can we expect more of that though as we head into this weekend and next week
5: well, hopefully we'll have a little bit better conditions in regards to the wind. It was rather brutal yesterday with a very high fire danger. And that being said, we're again, looking at a very nice weekend, this might be it for a while as there is increasing signs of it doing into a more stormier pattern. But the biggest emphasis we'll be t- taking in for this uh, period is as we get into Sunday night and in through Monday, there is a piece of energy coming out of the southern stream of the southwest expected to move into the central plains and bring the rainfall particularly as we go into sunday night into monday morning across southern nebraska and the most likely areas will be south central southeast and then kind of pivoting up toward the northeastern portion of the state as we go into the day monday where the cutoff is going to be is the open-ended question but i say at least it gets hot far northward as east central nebraska right now the models are indicating general coverage of a quarter to a half of an inch of moisture but if we can get some thunderstorms going you could have some locally heavier precipitation that system rapidly moves to the east and of course with that we'll see about a 20 degree drop in our temperatures as we get into monday from from this weekend so we're still going to be in the upper 40s to the lower 50s and as we get into Tuesday, it looks like we'll get a little bit of relief. And then the northern stream looks like it might shoot a piece of energy across the region as we go into the day on Wednesday, giving some light precipitation or snowfall to northern Nebraska, and then yet another piece of energy looks like it wants to eject out as we go into the Thursday-Friday time frame of next week from the southwest, once again increasing the precipitation chances across the central plains, and then it starts to bring that up in toward Nebraska as we go into next weekend. And right now the GFS model holds that storm system around the region, so it could be a fairly widespread precipitation event for the eastern 2 of the state at least, it looks like at this point most will be in this form of rainfall and then we start to see the cold there coming in behind this system and the GFS develops some storm system in eastern Montana and tries to push that down the front slope of the Rocky Mountains. So there is a possibility that we'll see some accumulating snowfall and for our ranchers folks out there, keep an eye on this system, particularly as we get into the mid month period. This could potentially drop some pretty significant snow across the panhandle. And it's that time of year where we get those wetter snows unfortunately and there's more systems behind it so we haven't had the southerly and southwesterly flow really being a dominant force since uh, the big storms uh, past thanksgiving and christmas this looks like we're getting into an active pattern and of course with the wet ground in a lot of locations outside the southwest This may lead to some higher flows on our streams depending on how hard the precipitation falls. More importantly, we just don't want to get into an extended stretch of several weeks of continuous storms coming out of the southwest. That's going to create a real nightmare heading into planting. And it's been our biggest fear with the wet soils that we would get into an extended period of heavy precipitation that could lead to flooding and some more planting delay issues potentially as we head into the month of April. So we'll watch this all, all, all play out, but it does look like some of the nicer weather that we've been experiencing the last four or six weekends depending on location of the state is probably going to come to an end after this weekend, and we'll get into a more stormier pattern as we go into next weekend.
3: Thanks so much. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. <laughs>
0: Time for us to check in with sports on this Friday afternoon and uh a good one going on there at the at the Class D state tournament
1: if i could see one quarter of one game at yeah. any level any point in time of the year it would have been pleasanton versus chambers wheeler central because going into the fourth the bulldogs were down five with linder and pates both with four fouls oh. each so two of their top players yep. with four fouls down five the bulldogs squeaked one out and outscored Chambers-Wheeler Central by nine in the fourth. The Pleasant Bulldogs keep their undefeated season alive at 50-46 for a final score. Lincoln Christian beats St. Paul 68-59. And Archbishop Bergen has a final score of 40-34 for Cedar Catholic. Right now in the fourth, looks like North Bend Central is going to top Adams Central 39-40. That one's late in the fourth quarter. Speaking of state basketball loomis boys will play next thursday night at eight forty-five p.m we'll have that game and likely again on 880 krv and with all the different scheduling and whatnot uh, we keep certainly the traffic folks busy yeah, so no we'll, we'll assume that that's what it is for now then southern valley will play earlier that afternoon at three forty-five versus osmond we'll have that game on the river and scott foster will have the call of both games Nebraska's stay at the Women's Big Ten basketball tournament was a short one as the Huskers lost 81-75 to Michigan in Indianapolis. Leah Brown had a game-high 22 points for the Huskers. Nebraska will find out next Monday night if they make the women's NIT or not. And don't shoot the messenger for this one, Husker fans. Make it 15 losses in a row for the men's team. They were blown out on the road by Michigan 82-58. And we now know, or at least strongly suspect, why it is that Cam Mack didn't play last night. Lincoln police say they ticketed the NU point guard on suspicion of negligent driving and leaving the scene of an accident after allegedly rear-ending a car on Wednesday. Lincoln police say that Mac was heading north along 27th Street in a 2011 Mercedes. It's a nice car if you can get it. I'm not in college and I can't drive a 2011 Mercedes, but evidently he can.
0: Well, my 2004 Acura is really nice. There you go. You got
1: that going. because you got that kind of money.
0: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> So here is a 22-year-old college student driving a 2011 Mercedes sedan around 11.55 a.m. He then hit a Lincoln woman's 2015 Toyota Corolla after a traffic slowdown for a truck turning into a driveway. When the Mercedes didn't stop, the 44-year-old victim, the woman who was rear-ended, was able to get the license plate and the number of the car that hit her and gave it to the police. And then Cam, or Mr. Mack in this case, was arrested the next day. University of Nebraska-Carney women's basketball team plays in the quarterfinal. Of the MIAA tournament coming up in about two hours from now as the Lopers take on Missouri Western. After ending the regular season with a couple of losses last week, head coach Carrie Amy hopes the Lopers can get off to a fast start today.
6: You can
3: settle in and play well in that first game. I think, I think it does build confidence. And, um, you know, for us right now... Um, after being able to kind of hit the reset button and, and start over here, um, you know, hopefully we can we can uh, work ourselves into the game and, and, and get into a rhythm and play tough defense and, and rebound and do all the things that we're really capable mm-hmm. of.
1: Our coverage this afternoon is scheduled to start at 205, and I say that because it'll be the third game of the day. So, of course, if one of them goes late, lots of timeouts and fouls in fourth quarter, overtime and whatnot. But, again, it's scheduled for a 2.15 p.m. start. 205, of course, Jason, with the pregame on 93.1 The River. The Nebraska baseball team plays their home opener against Columbia today. The Huskers won 18-10 to and almost a football score at the 12th-ranked Arizona State Sun Devils on Sunday. First pitch is set for 135 at Hawksfield. We'll bring you that game on our sister station, Cami Country. And the University of Nebraska at Kearney softball team has its home opener today against Lincoln University. The Lopers are 10-10 and 10 on this season, and they just started that one here. About twenty eight minutes ago, doubleheader begins at noon at Patriot Park there in Kearney, and tomorrow they'll host the Jennies from the University of Central Missouri.
0: Any uh, word on whether the lady in the Corolla got to shoot two free throws or not? I'm uh, sure. Ouch! She fouled ba- well,
1: over the back, I'm call. pretty sure it was an offensive foul because she was already set. Player control. Yeah, she was already stopped. She had her position established. He ran into her, so it's clearly an offensive foul. So we don't shoot free throws for that, but it did go the other way.
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs> Technical file. Of
1: Can't believe sort. he's wow. driving a 2011 Mercedes. Must be nice.
0: I'm sure it's old or something.
1: Thanks, Brandon. Good to see you, brother. Brandon Bennett's with the Rural Radio Network. It seems like talk of the COVID 19 or coronavirus is everywhere. Earlier this week, I had a chance to sit down with the Chancellor at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, Dr. Jeffrey Gold, and ask him why, of all places, UNMC is one of the nations and the world's leader in the response and exactly where this virus
7: comes from. Going back more than 10 years, we have had one of the largest biocontainment units in the country built shortly after the SARS outbreak of 2002, 2003, and, of course, some of the uh, anthrax letters that followed 9-11. The unit was tested in September through December of 2014 when we housed several patients with Ebola virus disease who were repatriated from Western Africa. And it demonstrated to us our capability to deal with these highly infectious agents, but it also demonstrated to the nation and to the world that we are uniquely prepared to do this. As a result of that, in partnership with two other institutions, the National Ebola Training and Education Center was built and funded by the federal government. And now we are actively involved in this all-hazards approach. So when the situation in Western China emerged, it was very logical that the federal government gave us a call and said, listen, we know you have capability. Would you be willing to work with us to educate, to train, to share best practices, and also to house patients? So we are a designated, actually the only designated National Center for Health Security. So when there were a number of individuals who were on the Diamond Princess cruise line, who disembarked in Japan, who we knew at the time that they were repatriated back to the United States, again, all American citizens, that we were called and asked if we would house them in our quarantine and isolation system. And we did. And that added up to approximately 15. Two were discharged to their homes on the 1st of March, and two were discharged to their homes on the 2nd of March, all virus-free. And indeed, there's been really no glitches, no complications, etc., and the remainder will be discharged over a period of time, depending on their symptomatic status, their viral load, and other things of that nature. That should not confuse the listeners because we have been in this country very much in a what's called a containment mode for the individuals infected or suspected of being infected with this disease. We are in the process rapidly moving into a mitigation mode, into a remediation mode, in the idea that it's going to be impossible to provide biocontainment, quarantine, and isolation for all of the individuals because of the rapid spread of this viral disease. This is a virus that is actually very common. The coronaviruses cause common colds, but they also cause SARS and MERS, and they cause this special disease called COVID-19. They're one and a half to two times as contagious as the flu. There are no known immunization vaccines. There are no known effective antivirals. And the American population is what we call naive. So for instance, if you or I were exposed to the flu, we would have some degree of native immunity to that. Even whether or not you got a flu shot, you would probably have some degree of immunity just because of years and years of exposure to the flu virus. No one's ever been exposed to this virus. And so therefore, the spread is going to be more rapid. It's made even more complex because we know that it's approximately a 14-day interval from when people are infected until they become symptomatic. And during that 14-day period, looking well, feeling swell, going to work, going to school, etc., shedding virus. And we also know that after people are, quote, completely recovered, again, looking well, feeling swell, back to work, back to school, traveling again, for the next 10 to 14 days, they're also still shedding virus. And so that creates a lot of complication of these asymptomatic carrier states. Now, the good news is, of course, is that the overwhelming majority of individuals who are infected are, of course, going to recover. Many of them, it's nothing more than a mild cold, a bit of a sore throat, some sinus congestion, maybe a little bit of fever, a little cough, and done. But for 5% of the population, they're going to need to be hospitalized. 1% to 2% of the population that's infected, they're going to need an ICU bed or end up on a ventilator. And unfortunately, an even smaller percentage of that are going to die. Now, if we're talking about 100 people, that's nothing compared to the flu. You know, this year it looks like about 23 or 24 million flu cases in the United States, roughly 300,000 hospitalizations and 25,000 deaths, numbers that we're used to, unfortunately. If we started to have hundreds of thousands of these cases spread across the United States, the hospitalization rates are 10 to 100 times higher than that of the flu, and unfortunately, so is the mortality rate. So for all of these reasons, the expertise that's been developed at the University of Nebraska Medical Center at Nebraska Medicine has become extremely valuable to our federal partners, has been extremely valuable to K-12 education across the state and across the nation, universities, other hospital systems, we've done a lot of work with the leadership in Oregon, in California, in Washington, and frankly, broadly across the world. Indeed, it was our team that flew to Japan to fly back with the Diamond Princess passengers and help in their triage. So Nebraskans should be really proud. Dr.
1: Gold, give us the background of where the coronavirus comes from. What are its origins?
7: The current thinking is that the specific coronavirus lived in bats and caves somewhere in central China and that there was a genetic mutation and that it was able to live in a small mammal called a pangolin, looks a little bit like an anteater, which are pretty much wild animals in central China, which are praised for their food value. They're actually thought to bestow health and good luck. And so they are sold in live food markets in China. And so several genetic mutations had to occur. One was that the virus had to mutate from the bat to the pangolin, and then it had to mutate so that it could live in a human being. And as the vector, the bat to the pangolin, the pangolin to the uh, human, occurred, the virus continued to mutate. So indeed, if you were to look at this virus at intervals, weekly, monthly, the first reported case was, I believe, December 30th, when it was identified in central China, there have been significant mutations even then. You know, over this period of time, which is critically important to the development of vaccines and antivirals. Because if you develop vaccines to a viral agent and then it mutates and it can't be attacked by the same vaccine, all of that work and production becomes for naught.
1: That was a portion of my conversation with Dr. Jeffrey Gold, the Chancellor at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. With the Rural Radio Network, this is Brandon Bennett. <laughs> You're listening to Midday with Scott Foster here on KRVN.
0: 1254, time for us to take a look at our business report here on Midday on KRVN for this Friday afternoon. We are on March the 6th and stocks down, 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 and we... Talked yesterday about the Asian markets making a little bit of a recovery. That maybe that was the sign of that good things about the coronavirus were coming out. They have they fell hard last night. The Japanese Nikkei down almost three percent at 579. The, the, the Hong Seng in Hong Kong was down two and a half percent, down 621 points. The FTSE in London, the FTSE in London, which is only about volume of about 6400 down 242 points yesterday and the german dax index down 402 and that one doesn't move very much here in the united states the 10 year yield itself was down 17% on wall street the dow jones industrial average is down 565 points down to 2500 the or 25500 the nasdaq down 280 points to 8,400, and the Standard & Poor down 88 to 2,900. Bob Brogan with more.
2: Stocks are continuing to tumble in midday trading on Wall Street as worries about the impact of the spreading coronavirus outweighs a better-than-expected report on U.S. jobs. U.S. stock index has slumped nearly 3% in midday trading, following 3% losses for Europe and 2% losses for Asia. A measure of fear in the U.S. stock market uh, surged 19%. Crude oil lost 8% on uh, worries that producers won't cut supplies enough to match the falling demand from a virus-weakened economy. And in fact, OPEC Secretary General says talks on cutting oil production adjourned without agreement, and the oil price was falling sharply. So that's uh the news on the oil front. Hiring jumped in February as employers added 273,000 jobs, evidence that the economy was in strong shape before the coronavirus began to sweep through the US. The labor department also says the unemployment rate fell to 3.5%, matching a 50-year low down from 3.6% in the previous month. President Trump has signed an eight point three billion dollar measure to help tackle the coronavirus outbreak in the u s The legislation provides federal public health agencies money for vaccines, tests and potential treatments. The amount is more than triple more than triple the two and a half billion outlined by the White House ten days ago. And it just kind of goes on and on from there because uh, I would imagine that uh, coronavirus is being discussed in every household across this fair land of ours and is pretty much the uh, uh, conversation after dinner is over or maybe even before it's over. So that's the way things stand on this business day.
0: All right.
6: Thank you, Bob. And in the Grand Island area, there were some German immigrants who had grown sugar beets back in Germany. So they actually tried tests of whether it would grow or not, and they said it grows great. The problem was they didn't have anybody who could measure the sugar content. They had to put them on a train. They'd have to go to D.C. The USDA's chemistry lab tested them. And, of course, by that time, it had decayed.
3: The farmers went to the University of Nebraska to have them hire someone to do the sugar content tests. Hudson Henry Nicholson, chair of the chemistry
6: department, went to the regents. Hudson Nicholson made the argument to the board of regents, you know what, if we had sugar beet industry in the state, we could train the chemists who would become the quality control people at the plants. And Rachel Lloyd... She also knew from the landscape in Switzerland and the parts of Europe that she had visited that, yes, the soil in Nebraska was very suitable for sugar beets.
3: Once the beets were being grown and harvested and shipped back to the chemical laboratory, Greep says Lloyd devised a way to analyze the sugar content.
6: The main thing that she did was measure the sucrose content, and she did that using um, the buoyancy so the greater the concentration of the sugar, the more buoyant it becomes. So you have these things called saccharometers, which we actually still have in the department. We have the saccharometers that she had to have used. And then she would additionally measure the glucose, the reducing sugar that was in there. And for that, she did what's called the Fehling's test.
3: Lloyd and Nicholson published their findings in the UNL Experiment Station Bulletin.
6: The very first bulletin was about the Grand Island planting. One year after they published their results, the Grand Island um, businessmen had arranged for um, a sugar beet processing plant to be built there. Um, then the next year in the Experiment Station bulletins, Rachel did the analysis of beets grown across the state, and it basically said you could grow them anywhere.
3: Lloyd didn't just help with agriculture, but also encouraged both young men and women to enroll in chemistry at the university. During Lloyd's tenure, the Nebraska section of the American Chemical Society had more women participants than any other section. Because of the work of Lloyd and others, sugar beets were grown across Nebraska for many years. In Scotts Bluff, a sugar factory was built in 1910, followed by others in the surrounding area. In 2002, more than 1,000 sugar beet growers in Colorado, Nebraska, Wyoming, and Montana united to form the Western Sugar Cooperative, as sugar beets remain a primary crop in the Nebraska panhandle. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman.
0: Landmark Implement is your local authorized John Deere dealer. Landmark's trained and certified sales staff will help you find the right equipment for your needs at a price that's right for you. All backed by Landmark's extensive parts and service network. Whether it's a tractor, planter, combine, lawn and garden tractor, or gator, every piece of equipment in our inventory is ready to work hard for your operation. Landmark's team works together to make sure everything that is sold meets their quality standards. Stop by your local Landmark location or learn more at landmarkimp.com and experience the Landmark difference.
8: I'm Clay Patton inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef-oriented, KRVN Cattleman brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska, Kansas, and cattle resources, including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need. Plus, hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this weekend, Grain. John, taking a look here at these uh, grain settlements across the board, risk-off was the main theme here today. Can we get some news over the weekend to try and turn things around on Monday?
9: Yeah. <laughs> what a week. I, um, I you know, had a shudder to think what, how the story will change over the next you know, two days, let alone two, two weeks, I think. We'll probably find a lot more clarity, and I I wouldn't be shocked that at, you know after the stock market closes tonight that they announce some sort of plans for stimulus, economic stimulus uh, to go along with maybe another rate cutter or plans for another rate cut. I, I think that's what uh, what you have to be real careful here to be selling. Uh, we saw the dollar break substantially this week, and that'll be lost in all of this. Is that the dollar is now a lot weaker now? It's not much weaker versus the ruble or versus the uh, the peso or the. Brazilian Rai, but it is lower, and that's something that we got to kind of hang our hat on here. And I think with wheat trading unchanged and, uh, you know, corn hanging in to a certain degree, I think you'd be a little careful not to get too bearish in the near term. This is a, a market that can turn very, very quickly, and we've seen this happen a few times in the last few years. Go back to 2011 with Fukushima, go back to 2015 with um, – or 2012, I'm sorry, with the U.S. debt downgrades. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen, and then all of a sudden – the story gets forgotten and we start a new trend. So, when it comes to feed grains, I think it's been a pretty good week relatively to what uh, what's going on in the outside. But you seem to see the energy space turn around. I think that'll be the first first kind of shoot to drop that'll tell us things are better.
8: And in those energy sectors, you look at a lot of commodity index funds are closely tied to the energies, not weighted too heavily towards the grains. Could we see coming forward a break off between that letting grains and uh, food commodities be kind of their own group?
9: Uh, well, I- the biggest problem we have really is ethanol on the corn side, you know, and uh, when you start bringing corn prices down, that pushes acreage over to, to the soybean side. Uh, you know, with wheat being a little lower, uh, you know, corn comes down. So it's all tied together, and I think energy is a big, big kind of first, but in my opinion, this is overdone. I'm you know, certainly no expert, and I think that's the, the biggest thing we have here is a lot of people who are experts all of a sudden in infectious diseases. I really have no clue how this is going to develop, but I think from an asset appreciation price, there will be a boomerang snapback in demand at some point, and I think commodities will lead the way.
8: Again, we've been talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. You can learn more about their newsletter this week in grain by visiting their website. That is danielzagmarketing.com Again, danielzagmarketing.com Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Please consider these risks before investing. As we saw, the equity start to crunch down. Settlements on the grain start to come across. Good news, KC Wheat, though, ending unchanged across all contracts, almost trying for the green at the very end.
0: And that'll do it for our midday show brought to you by DaVinny Motors. This midday program can be heard, the whole thing, by going to krvn.com,
6: just clicking on podcasts. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from DaVinny Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, dot com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a DaVinny deal.